Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and get started listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 90, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Popfly himself, Founder Numero Dos, Ben. Yeah, I think he was, uh, like, rubbing himself with it. Baseball. Ben, what's going on, man? Always a good drop, sir. Always. Hey, Justin, how you doing, man? Not doing too bad, man. That's a classic drop, too. That one came out of the archives. That's a very classic drop, but what better time of year as we are part of the Fall Classic. The World Series is happening. Awesome stuff, man. I'm so excited. Someone asked me today, hey, you've been watching baseball? And I said, I've been loving every second of it. I've watched every second of the World Series this year. And I mean, I know, I guess that's not too different than any other year, but I really, really feel like I've been locked into this one because I really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that when the series started, we all thought one thing was going to happen. After yeah. two games, we all had changed our mind. And then now, mm. I think we're all kind of back to where we were initially thinking. So to catch people up at home, we are now five games in. The Nationals took the first two games in Houston. And now uh, Houston has actually won the next three games all in Washington. So Swept game six is going to be tomorrow night on Tuesday uh, live from Houston. Yeah, and we're going to be doing a live stream of it as well, so make sure to check the social media pages and everything, me and the great Sambino. That's why he's not here tonight, because those long days of doing a long broadcast for three, four hours are exhausting. So I told him, you know, me and uh, Ben Baseball take one for the team here, and I'll just do both, and that's fine. And, you know, we want to make sure we have plenty of content, plenty to talk about. Uh, speaking of plenty of content and plenty to talk about, did you know that on 538.com, Nate Silver did a ranking of Halloween candies? No, I did not. Tell me more. Yeah. So uh, it's like a whole thing at 538. And uh, it's the definitive listing of, you know, Halloween candy. So if you had to guess what the top candy is, what do you think it is? Oh, is it in like the candy bar family? It is. Um, so you really kind of got to think about it in two different ways. You have your chocolate-based candies, Correct. and then you have your more fruit-based candies. That's why I asked. So I'd say it's on the chocolate side of things. Okay, so it's in the candy bar family. It's yes. got to be either, it's got to be one of these three things. It's going to be a Snickers, a okay. Twix, or a Kit Kat. So I definitely thought that Snickers was going to be a lot higher than uh, than where it was, but... Snickers, I think, was fourth or fifth. I'm trying to find the the link right now on it. That's bull. Snickers did not place as high. They said the top spot went to Reese's. I don't hate that take, though. I mean, I don't think it's the right take, but I don't hate it. Right. Well, it's kind of like I forgot about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I forgot that Reese's were a thing. Those cups are damn delicious, though. Yes, they are. Uh, also, what didn't happen at all very high on the list there was not a lot of fruit candy on there i think skittles was the highest base the uh, highest base candy and it was like in the 12 or 13 spot and see there's something 
tell me what you think about this. This may be a weird take, but it's a take nonetheless. Like the ones that come in like the little like miniature versions for actual Halloween candy, I don't feel like those are as tasty as the ones that come in a full bag of Skittles. Really? I that I'm sure that has no difference whatsoever. I'm sure it's literally a packaging thing. For whatever reason, they've just never really done it for me. I don't know. It's just not a not a Halloween candy that I prefer. No, that's fair. That's fair. So where does Three Musketeers rank on this list? This is an important conversation yeah, about a baseball. Yeah, show. let me get you. Three Musketeers are in the number twelve spot. Okay, good. That's where they belong. Yeah, and uh, I misspoke. Skittles was down at uh, number nineteen. There was one fruit-based candy that was higher, and that was Starburst at thirteen. Mm, I don't hate that take. Yeah. Uh, what you said initially, Twix, Kit Kat, and Snickers, that's the three, four, and five. What's number one, then? Oh, at Reese's. Like I said, so Reese's, yeah. Oh, okay. The Reese's okay. peanut butter cup. Yeah, got it. Okay, well, Halloween time. I'm excited. I, I I think next year for the show, we need to do costumes now that we have video capability. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see. There are bats and fake pumpkins suspended from the ceiling I, around the Ben Baseball office. I did. In my office, all I've got is the cat. The Halloween yep. cat. I get it. Uh, I, I have a zonked out five-year-old, so I totally get it. <laughs> it's actually literally face down asleep. Love it. Yep. Love it. That does nothing for the audio listeners here. But yeah, so it's baseball season pretty much. It's almost the end of baseball season, which is sad. There's still a lot to talk about in the off season. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming, a lot of interviews, a lot of different things that we have lined up that we've been talking about. So we're not going to have nearly as big of a break this off season. There's a lot, there's just too much baseball going on to, to really take a bunch of time off. So we're going to be making sure to have stuff out to you guys every week or two at the very longest, every single, you know, as much as we possibly can. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward. We have just a laundry list of ideas that we've talked about in the offseason. Absolutely. There's a ton of good stuff, including a review of Ken Burns's PBS uh, baseball documentary series. Mm. A lot of good stuff coming at you. Definitely. Uh, real quick, back to the Halloween costumes real quick. We need to make sure that we get Jimmy Midtown on during Halloween so he can be Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Yes, that would be incredible. I don't even know what Kennesaw Mountain Landis looks like. That's not true. Did you ever watch uh, the newsroom? <laughs> yes. He looks like um, the boss on the newsroom. Okay. See, I pictured more Sam Waterford, maybe Sam oh, something. Couldn't tell you. I've only seen that show like or that. I've only seen that like once. But I was gonna say I picture it being more like a like a Jebediah Springfield type situation. Oh yes, you know absolutely. You know, I mean, if your name is Mountain Landis, you've got some like you've got some cool things about you. Absolutely. So we'll get Jim. Uh, his name is, uh, so the actor's name who I'm thinking of is Sam Watterson. Okay. I'm going to do a quick Google of old Kennesaw Mountain Landis and see if he looks at all like Sam Watterson because I feel like he does, but maybe not. The more that I think about this, I don't know so. what you're talking about. Maybe I'm thinking of something else completely different. So it's not good audio quality stuff, but you know, dude, it's important. Dude, he looks just like him. Holy, Holy cow. Holy crap. All right. Well, I'll table this. We'll get back to it later. We're going to have to put this on Instagram okay. or something. We'll, we'll put that up tonight. Yeah, that's a great idea. I could I could see Jimmy pulling this off. Really? Yeah, so hmm. we'll have to do a side-by-side where it's some uh, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, Sam Watterson, James M. Middleton. Okay, that sounds great. So, awesome World Series overall so far. We are, like you said, at Game 5 tomorrow. And one of the big stories coming out of this is Max Scherzer being hurt, and they really don't think that he's going to go Game 7. 
dude, yeah, like necks are not something you want to mess around with. No, and this is a guy that literally had a black eye, which is a big twist considering he already has two different color of eyes. He had a black eye mid-season and still pitched two days later. Like, this is a hard ass. Like, this isn't just like a, you know, oh, my arm hurts, I can't, you know, I can't play. What is it with you and eyes? You're talking about two different color eyes and then black eyes, and then you talk about Kristen Yelich and butthole eyes. Like, it's a whole thing. It is. A, it's just like your theme with holes, which is a weird way to, to phrase that, that we can mark that for later. But it, it's the exact same type of thing. It just it seems to wander its way into conversation. And, I mean, the guy's got two different color of eyes. How can I not talk about it? No, that makes sense. It's and like he owns... Dogs. That's true. He owns the hell out of it, and I like it. I've come to appreciate it, but that so, sucks, yeah, man. He, that's that's a situation where like he's not like you you if you get to a game seven situation, Max Scherzer has to be your guy. Yeah, I mean he was your game one pitcher. He was also slotted to be the game five, but they scratched him that afternoon. Right, and so it's just ridiculous. And at first, I was like, oh, what the heck? Just give him some cortisone. But like, I feel like that's not something you want to mess around with, <sighs> man. Because uh, we were, I compare this to football a little bit, but Peyton Manning dealt with that same kind of thing. It's that spinal fusion surgery that you have. Tiger Woods dealt with it too, and like Peyton couldn't feel like a couple of his fingertips. And it's like, man, whenever you're throwing a ball a hundred miles an hour at somebody, you don't want to fuck around with those kinds of nerves. Yeah, that's not something you want to get wrong for sure. For sure, especially in the longevity of his contract and everything. I mean, that that is really kind of inconsequential, but it is consequential all at the same time. And I like Max Scherzer a lot, but I would hate to see him go out there and try to, you know, throw himself into, you know, absolute oblivion and then end up getting beat anyway. That would that would really stink. Absolutely. So they'll have Strasburg for game six, mm-hmm. and then their game seven will be whoever pitched game uh, game three, if they make it, because right. Astros could close out tomorrow. They very well could, back in Houston. insane after dropping the first two games. The Astros have been playing exactly like we thought that they would, but they didn't play the, that way the first two games. But the thing is, man, like, so I don't know, I know you watched a little bit of the live stream that the great Sambino and I did the other night, but that was when Scherzer was on the mound, and dude... I never really realized it before, but that guy works so fast, and he, like, I mean, he is, like, just out, he'll throw hard, I mean, there is no time, really, between pitches before he's ready to go again, and, I mean, he's just going at him, going at him, going at him, going at him, and he doesn't stop, like, he's just drenched in sweat, and, like, it's easy for that to happen in any situation, but you can tell it's because he's going hard. It's literally the exact opposite of John Lester. Yeah, I I get drenched in sweat just sitting here talking about baseball. Thinking about it. I can it. only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like the other thing is too, like, I mean, it's one of those things I think for him, and you'll see him pacing around the dugout talking to himself and everything, and like every pitcher has their little things that they have to do to get, you know, wound up. That was a big thing for me is just kind of talking to myself. You'd see me talking to myself a lot. And like it's one of those things like everybody has their little routines and things that they do to make sure that they're ready to go. And even during those starts and even during those times where you're pitching in relief or whatever the case may be, you're just kind of going, going, going. And you can always see him talking to himself, moving. He shakes off his catcher a lot, which would piss me off, but whatever. It's a whole other, that's a preference thing. It's a whole other thing. He is Max Scherzer, but you know, Sam and I talked a lot about that the other night, but um, it's just it's an asshole thing when you consistently shake your catcher off like he doesn't know how to call a game properly. Yeah, especially when it's Kurt Suzuki, who's been around for quite some time. 
yeah, I think this was like his 13th year in the majors or something ridiculous like that. I want to say we thought that, and then we looked it up, and that wasn't the case. But I could be wrong. You can look that up while I finish this little rant about him. But anyway, uh, it, it's just really interesting that he works so quickly, and you could almost just... Like it's a, it's astounding that he hasn't gotten massively injured up to this point, given how he works out of the stretch and how he consistently goes so hard. No, absolutely, uh, and yeah, I was actually not wrong at all. He joined okay. the league in 07 okay. in Oakland. That's right. I, I, I just wanted to say that we looked that up recently, and it wasn't nearly as long. But I, I, yeah. I think we thought it was like thirty years or some <laughs> stupid number. Speculate, speculating wildly. Yeah. Not not that we do that at all. We would never. Zero percent chance that we make crap up. Yeah, never. Well, speaking of making crap up, this is a good great segue. Um, I think that the biggest story that is kind of over, it it definitely seemed to loom over the first two games of this series, is the whole Houston Astros assistant GM situation involving Roberto Asuna and all that. I mean, would you say that's pretty accurate? It seemed like it really plagued the clubhouse. Yeah, so a little little backstory, and we've talked about it on the clubhouse before, and I'm going to just do a full disclaimer alert. I can get worked up in this topic, so I'm yes. going to do my best to keep it professional because I am, if nothing else, a baseball broadcasting professional. Correct. Uh, so I- with that in mind, um, May 8th, 2018, Osuna was arrested in Toronto and charged with assault. Allegedly, he assaulted Alejandra Roman Cota, which is his three-year-old kid's mom, okay? She was visiting the child. Excuse me. She was visiting Toronto with the child, and then she went back to Mexico and was like, I'm pressing charges, but wouldn't end up testifying. Um, The popular school of thought is that she was bought off. I can't say whether or not that is. That's all alleged at this point. But because um, there was enough evidence, even though he wasn't convicted, uh, he was still suspended without pay by uh, Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball, a 75-game suspension. And this was back when he was still playing for Toronto, and this was in May of 2018. Which we covered at the time when it happened. Correct. Now, in July of 2018, the Blue Jays traded Osuna uh, to the Astros in exchange for three pitchers, Ken Giles, Hector Perez, and David Paulino. So the Astros popped him on their roster, and then... Um, yeah, that's that's where we're at now. Well, and, and truthfully, it it kind of like it was a big deal. Like, that's why we covered it when it happened. It was a big deal. And then it kind of started to like die down a lot. And it, it really I mean, you know, things like that tend to kind of like he kept his head down. He didn't do anything, you know, like after that or anything like that that we know of anyway. You know, he kept it very quiet. Everything kind of seemed to die out or whatever until just recently. And so the other night it was they the Astros had clinched the final game against the Yankees, and they were all celebrating in the clubhouse. There were a group of three female reporters standing there, in which case this assistant GM named Brandon Taubman looked straight at them and started screaming, thank God we got Osuna. Thank fucking God we got Osuna. Just kept going and going and going and going at it, which was a very odd move. Ben Baseball, do you want to explain why that was an odd move, aside from the obvious? A couple different reasons. One, you never really want to yell chant at someone. Like, that's that's never a good look. Even okay. if you're in the right, it's not a good look. Okay. Secondly, uh, one of them was actually wearing October's Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and one of them had on her purple ribbon for domestic violence awareness. And mm-hmm. so, like, just imagine you're bragging about an 
alleged batterer um, to someone who is taking an active stand against domestic violence. It's not but really a good take. You also left out a really bizarre part of this story, though, that he had just blown the save. Oh, yes. No, that's 100% <laughs> the weirdest thing of all is why would he be chanting when it's not like Osuna got you the win? Yeah, like he blew the save. Altuve hit a home run, a walk-off home run, so it didn't matter, but he had just blown the save. So, like, it was very odd that he was, I mean, so it was shitty that he was screaming that at any reporter regardless. It was shitty that he was screaming that at female reporters, especially one that was wearing one of those ribbons and that had previously reported on the domestic violence situation in the past. And it was really weird to be <laughs> commenting about it, considering he had just blown the game for them, technically. All, all the way around, it was the oddest move I've ever heard of, especially from someone who, had you heard of this guy before? Let me ask you that. No, not at all. Not but once. You know what? In in all honesty, I couldn't name anyone in the Astros organization that's not uh, Nolan Ryan. And that's fair. And Jeff Ludlow, he's the GM. So like that's the, and Reed Ryan is he owns the the minor yeah. league team. But like aside from that, like he's an assistant GM. What does that mean? Shut up and yeah, go learn to be a GM. That's the Dwight Schrute of the Astros. <laughs> Correct. To the assistant, assistant to, the, to GM. the GM. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. And so, like, it's one of those things, like, you don't have any clout. You don't have any reason to be yelling. You don't really have a whole lot of reason to be in the locker room celebrating, to be honest. So, like, it's one of those things. They were good enough to let you be there. Act like you belong there. Yep. And that's Absolutely. what this comes down to. And dude, we, you and I talk about this all the time in any situation like that we're in where we're around players or we're, you know, talking to players, act cool. Just don't ruffle the feathers and like I, I'm not saying don't ask hard-hitting questions or anything like that, but just be cool, man. Right. Just I say that to my kids all the time. Just like act, if they're yeah. freaking out in Target, just be cool, kids. Like right. we talked about this, you can pick your yogurt and your cereal, just be freaking cool. Just act like you know what you're doing. Right. That's all we ask. And so anyway, it already was not a good look. And then Sports <laughs> Illustrated, like she wrote a piece for Sports Illustrated talking about this. And what do the Astros do? Do they say, oh, yeah, that's a bad look. We should probably do something about it. No, they publicly denounce the piece and try to call out the reporter. They basically called it fake news and said that that, that reporter had no journalistic integrity. That's what happened. Absurd. Which is like... As we're counting the red flags, this is number four for those of you keeping track at home. And, and remember, too, like we like there, there's just there's so many weird things about this story in general. But like whenever it really comes down to it, like calling out someone's journalistic integrity is always a dangerous thing. And I look at it from our standpoint, right? We've been doing this show two seasons now, 90 episodes long. We're scratching the surface of getting into being baseball reporters and stuff like that, right? I wouldn't even call us that even I wouldn't I wouldn't even go there. I write all the time but I still wouldn't even go there. That all being said, I think it's a really dangerous thing to not research a story that Sports Illustrated puts out about you and then turn around and say that's fake news and the person that wrote it doesn't know what they're talking about. When right. in actuality it didn't come from like some angel fire website or from like ours exactly <laughs> I, I didn't want to throw us under the bus but no, yes, I will. this wasn't this wasn't written on sensiblyloud.com which right. everyone should go to by the way this was on sports freaking illustrated right and so i mean they basically like i said declared it fake news and moved on and so what ends up happening here is an absolute firestorm and 
you know, on, on top of this, you've got the team playing in the World Series. Right. And they had just dropped like the first two games. While this is happening, the Astros are just just piddling along. It, in. it was nothing but a distraction. It really and was. In fact, I was about to feel really validated because uh, once I kind of got my ducks in a row, the day the World Series started, I sent in our little chat to old, uh, to old J-Mac and the great Sambino like, hey, remember Osuna? That's why I'm rooting for the Nationals. Like, screw that guy. Go Nationals. You know, I don't have a hat with a W on it, but if I did, I'd be wearing it. I think we made fun of you about that take a little bit, but I get where you're coming from. It's one of it's one of those things like and I think that speaks to a very valid point of this is like he had kept his head down and really stayed out of light for this whole time. Like you had kind of forgotten about it just because he's kind of been off the radar. And, you know, and so we spent a lot of a lot of time like really researching this. And really what this comes down to is the way that they've handled it from a PR front, has been absolutely astoundingly terrible. And that's something that really, really astounds me in general about baseball is how poorly they tend to react to things. But baseball had to come in here and be the actual voice of reason and say, look, you guys need to look into this story a little bit more. And lo and behold, the Astros look into this story more and find out, oh, actually, that act, that did happen, not the way that we thought it did, and maybe not exactly how it came out in the article or whatever. But regardless, they they actually did. Some, they took some time to give it some merit. Right, there was some culpability there. Right, the way that the Astros handled this is not unlike a time when I was in middle school or high school. We we're having friends over. We're all playing PlayStation, and it's like winter, and we have a fire lit in the fireplace, and a log falls out of the fire. And like on the carpet and starts mm-hmm. smoldering, my dad comes over and pours booze on. Oh it. no! I'm, that's what the that's what the the Astros have done to this story. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great way to describe it. And they have real. It just continues. It, it continued to get worse, and they kept like retracting statements after retracting statements after retracting statements because Major League Baseball made them put out something, and then you know so that. Long story short, they end up firing the assistant GM. Rightfully so. I don't think he deserved to keep his job after this. Correct. And and I don't want to get all, you know, like, you know, all like, you know, bent out of shape about it necessarily. Because like at the end of the day, like, it was a really terrible look. Someone was going to pay the price for that. I feel like that's been the theme of a lot of things that we've talked about lately is people paying the price for different situations that happen. This yep. was one of those things. He wasn't going to keep his job. And he's damn sure not going to be a GM going forward. Well, and... That's where, and we're not in the POS corners, but understand, I have a non-baseball POS today because I have so much anger in the baseball world right now around mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And this is one thing that Justin and I kind of disagree on because this assistant to the GM from Houston is now kind of blackballed in the GM's eyes and isn't going to get a job like that again. And yet, because Roberto Asuna can throw 97 miles per hour, even though he potentially beat up and i think he did but what even though yeah. he allegedly beat up the mother of his three-year-old mm-hmm. like he still is gainfully employed in what slotted to make six million dollars some stupid fucking number yeah i mean that and that's a fair point i understand where you're coming from on that i mean i i mean unfortunately i think it's unrealistic to think that 
they are just going to cut bait with him. I mean, at the end I of know. the day, I, it, it's just one of those things. It's not how it should be, but winning cures a lot of things. And that's not right. That's that's a problem in sports across everything. Like, that's not specific to baseball. But what astounds me about it, like I said, is just the way that they continue to handle it. And so they apo- they came out, they fired him, they apologized, which I appreciate them doing. But then they really... Oh <laughs> dude, this is what drove me over the edge, is they still didn't apologize to this... So this girl, uh, Stephanie, I wrote her a message because I just wanted to make sure that she knew. Uh, Stephanie Epstein, and this is the craziest part of this whole story. So in a presser, the day that they fired him, they asked the GM, Jeff Lolo, hey, you know, have you reached out to Stephanie Epstein and apologized? And he said, no, I really haven't had the time to get in touch with her. I haven't seen her. She, Ben, she was standing in the room when he said that. Oh, my God. I was infuriated by this because the first thing that I tweeted out was their their apology. Their, I guess this would have been their second or third pol- apology on the matter, and I tweeted out, "Okay, great. Now let's apologize to the journalist for for taking away her journalistic integrity that she can never actually get back because you can't take responsibility for yourself." It's just the worst freaking look. It's absurd. I wrote her on on Twitter and I said, "Hey, good on you to report what you did, regardless of how it's all shaken out. You are a true warrior for the uh, for the right." For the right cause, your journalistic integrity should never have been in question because you did the right thing by speaking out. So, you know what? Good on her. Good on her for doing what she did. And, you know, dude, this is a terrible look for the Astros. This is a terrible look for baseball. And that's the thing is, even if the Astros win tomorrow and end up putting Washington away, like, it's not going to be like the 1919 Black Sox scandal 100 years ago. Right. But, like, it's still not a good look. And it definitely tarnishes the trophy if you hold up the trophy i just keep going back to why did he think it was okay to yell that after he had just blown the game i just can't get past that part of it i really can't yeah it's been a hell of a story it's like if my dog shit on the rug and then i was bragging about what a great dog i had right i mean sherman's great don't get me wrong but absolutely if he poops on the rug you're gonna be upset which he doesn't do but that's not. not why we have a podcast correct we'll we'll debate that on another show later on That'll be on the paw decal. Oh, I'll give you a bell. Um, <laughs> just for, for the great Sam Bino. reaching for, for the crickets or the no. bell at that point. <laughs> That's fair. That's a good assumption. So I, it's interesting, though, because this story has kind of clouded the, whole, the first two games of it, which they, I mean, they were absolutely silent as a team and, and or got shelled on the pitching mound. And on top of that, as soon as they fired this guy, they started winning games. Oh, it's infuriating in a, a weird way. You know, it really is. So, all right. That's been kind of the World Series update. A lot of people have asked me what's going on with it. I think that's a pretty good synopsis of it. Um, anything else we need to add there? I think we've covered where we're at in the games, and we've covered the dumpster fire that is the Astros PR currently. So I think that that covers most of it that we don't already have slotted for later in this episode. Okay, well, I think it's time to do the POS Corner. This is Paul Ramham from WBAT in Cincinnati. We interrupt this regular schedule of programming to bring you this breaking news bulletin. It appears that people have been called pieces of shit from around the globe. Baseball players in particular seem to be the main target. However, no person, concept, or universe is exempt from this cruel but very usual punishment. The perpetrator has been identified as the great Sambino. Police have confirmed that he is still at large and about to take his piece of shit corner. Ding, ding, ding. Huge piece of shit. 
All right, America. The great Sambino is out, but we are still going to talk pieces of shit. That's right. Ben Baseball, do you want to get us started off? I do, and I have ire for earlier in the segment, and I have a, uh, it's kind of a two-parter here, one baseball, one non. Okay. You ready? Which one do you want first? Uh, I would like the non-baseball first. Got it. So, in non-baseball related news, um, it's Halloween, folks. Last weekend, I went to a camp out. I had my wife, my kiddos, we had our nephew with us. Um, So, I'm a big dork. We've talked about it a little bit on this podcast before. You were waiting on the ding. I'm doing a lot of build up. Sorry about you that. You are Mac. really burying the lead up. here. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so we're on a camping trip, and uh, I'm going to call out a 13 year old girl that I don't know her name. Love it. Okay. Anonymous. Thank you. Yes. Very well, Twitter like yeah. of you. Her name's <laughs> irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Because here's the thing we have it's like theme camping. Like you're supposed to decorate your tent, you're supposed to be in costume. It's like a whole Halloween thing. Okay. I'm going to put pictures up, but for those that are streaming along right now, we went as a Harry Potter theme. Awesome. So I, I sprayed my hair red. I was Ron Weasley. One of my kiddos was Hermione. My nephew was Harry Potter. This is where you made the video for the website. Absolutely. Yes. Got it. Exactly. Perfect. Thank you. Yes. Anyway. Go yes. check it out if you haven't. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm hard to recognize because it's a really good costume. But <laughs> I, anyway, so my nephew is 13. Homeboy scores digits. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we had like candy in a cauldron, and I guess some 13-year-old put her Snapchat handle, wrote it down, and stuck it in the cauldron. Yikes. He noticed it, and then before we know it, this is what we hear in the tent. Ding, 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 because his phone is just going off like crazy. Okay. His phone was ringing more than the Sensibly Loud Media phone number hotline. Oh, like, boy. It was going nuts. Well, come like 1130, the whole family's trying to go to bed and his phone, because he's been on it for the last six hours, is dying, like Naturally. dead, put it on life support. And we're camping, so there's no electricity. But what do we hear from the pavilion a few tents away? Just this girl yelling, Harry Potter, go charge your phone. Harry Potter. <laughs> she is just yell chanting with like the, her friends. And then we'd see like this, uh, these outside the tent the scurry of teenagers run up to the tent like a flashlight and then run back and then giggling mm. and my nephew would just look at us like what do you want to do it's one of those things where while annoying you got to admire the fact that she stayed in character absolutely yeah absolutely and she wasn't even in costume he was he was the one in costume and she was just like mm. hey if if this dude will dress as harry potter like that's that's the thing for her, I guess. Okay. All right. I like it. Anyway, so we didn't get to sleep very much because there was 13-year-old hormones happening. It was happens. awful. Yep, happens. They do go to sleep from time to time, you know. I have I have it on good authority mm. that they do go to sleep sometimes. More research to come. We'll send the interns out. All right. Yes. What's your baseball one? Baseball one. Last night, World Series, Game 5 in Washington. This is not a political podcast. But the president of the United States, Donald Trump, went to the game. And at some point, um, they showed him on the Jumbotron and people were booing. And I totally support people booing. What I don't support, though, is people then chanting, lock him up in like true fashion that he chanted about Hillary. So I just think it was kind of a bad look for the people in attendance at the game. I don't know that it's doing baseball any favors so we're putting the people in attendance at the game 
for the chanting, not the booing. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to comment on whether it was right or wrong. I mean, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But, yeah, it was definitely an interesting thing. It, was de- it was definitely took a lot of people by surprise. If they wouldn't have done it in the middle of an Armed Forces video, I feel like that could have changed things. But Absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I've seen the footage. Like, the, they're clapping for, like, there's this Marine, and then it yeah. cut to a thing. And then after after it showed the administration, it went to other other veterans, and, uh, and, and people were clapping. So it's just an interesting, just the whole thing's weird. It also kind of like the thing that stuck out to me about it is since people were booing again, don't care how you feel about it, do do whatever you want to do. But since people were booing and they sandwiched it in the middle of that video, it kind of felt like they were booing service members because it went to the next thing. And, you know, you can't you know, you can't be ready for that. Be like, oh, you can shut up. But I mean, people are not going to be paying attention and whatnot. So that was a kind of a poor look. Yeah, I'm with you there. Okay, right. Like I said, I'm I'm all about just the freedom of the actual expression. Yeah, I got you. Okay. All right. So my POS quarter is very baseball related. And I am putting MLB umpire Lance Barksdale. Yes. Outstanding. Go game, for it. Game five last night, seventh inning. Astros were lead four to one. There were two outs. Ryan Zimmerman was on first. He had been walked after a full count, which really truthfully should have been called strike three. And Victor Robles was up to bat. Ran it full again against Cole. And Cole threw a slider. It was tilted off the plate. Strike three called. I mean, this pitch was higher than Zimmerman's, farther outside. It was still a strike called. It felt like the guy had money on the game is kind of what it felt like. And obviously that's not true. But what I, th- I the reason I call it out is, one, we make a pretty good habit of calling out MLB umpires in the POS quarter. Is that fair? Except for the one that was talking about arming himself. Yes, we have called out a ton of umpires this year. <laughs> we will get to that. <laughs> kind of afraid of that guy. No, <laughs> um, we'll get to that later. But uh, or at some point. But yeah, we, we've talked a lot about umpires in a sense from the just the, the accuracy of calling games. And really and truly, he called a pretty good game up to that point and after that, really. And so like you do have the human aspect of this. Here, like we always talk about, like you're never really going to remove that from the game until you go to like robo umpires. But like, it was really interesting some of the comments that I heard after the game. Obviously, the Nationals aren't going to go out and, and say, "Oh, well, we got robbed," and you know they've still got more baseball to play. You know, anything can yeah. happen tomorrow, and you know they're not going to go out there and do that. That's a poor look. That's bad sportsmanship. Everything. But what I will say is that there were several comments, and all these sort, all these things were kept anonymous just because. You probably don't want this out there too much, but players are starting to see the the advantage of having robo umpires, and I feel really? like that. Yeah, I feel like that's a big first start. And like I said, man, I've laid this out many times. All you've got to have here, all you've got to do, is have it to where there's a challenge situation where you can where you can challenge three balls or strike calls throughout the whole game or whatever. I don't know what the number is, but something like that. Yeah, that's all you got to do. And it's well that's that's the thing about artificial intelligence and robot learning and stuff. It's not that automation is going to be perfect. It just has to be better than what you currently have. Self-driving cars, for example, I'm not gonna sit here and say that self-driving cars are the wave of the future um, and they're gonna replace all human drivers, but 
as long as they're safer. However many fatalities in America there are every year, every single day, mm-hmm. if autonomous vehicles cut that number in half, Great. You know, you're saving lives. That's a tangible difference that automation is making. So then when you take that and put it on baseball, it's not about the number of wins or losses that it changes. It's just about getting a number that's more accurate. Correct. And I think like I think that's my big thing about it is like I I absolutely value accuracy over anything else with this. And I get it, man. It's human. Like they make bad calls just like we do from time to time. Like, I mean, we don't ever really make bad calls about anything, but you know what I mean? Ever. Like we're never about a, a thing at all. No, but they they're human too. Like they make mistakes just like you and I do. It's going to happen. It, it it happens all the time. And guys get robbed of it all the time. And I just think there should be some recourse for that, especially in big game situations. Not that it would make a big difference. I mean, it would make a big difference in the grand scheme of things, but probably not a tremendous difference in a in an overall sense. And the thing is, like, you know, you're going to have the old baseball guys push back on this. And that, I mean, we talk about that every other episode, I feel like. Every other episode. <laughs> it yeah, comes absolutely. up a lot. But, like, man, like, I just feel like guys our age, not just guys, everybody, our age value that accuracy over anything else. And I just, I mean, whenever we're talking about highly technical stuff like that, I would just rather have a computer backup. And, like, if you look at, like, NFL, NBA, you know, they all have these challenges and stuff like that. And some of those calls are really hard to overturn. And it's the same way in baseball. But, like, balls and strikes, it's pretty straightforward. Look at how tennis does it. Whenever you're watching Wimbledon in the summertime, you look at that thing. Is it on the line? Yes, no, in, out, done. Ten seconds, done. It right. probably the takes more than 30. Is made. 30 seconds. But whatever. Like, regardless... It's just one of those things I think if everybody felt confident in it, then everybody's on board. You still have an umpire there to make your balls and strikes calls. But if there's a situation like you're dealing with right here, you can say, hey, I want to take a look at that. I I value that much more than being safe at first or something like that. Well, yeah. And the other thing, too, is you know that that's then going to be a tool in the toolbox for managers to know how to use effectively. Properly. So you exactly. may get someone like a Gabe Kapler who ends up challenging something too early or, or blowing all of this stuff to non non key situations. So like then it becomes a competitive advantage because you're going to want a manager who's really dialed in or, or maybe it's the way that they're watching it, you know, with whoever's in the booth. Yeah. So to me or to like, so can you think of the, any downsides to this? I think the downside that you're going to hear, and I'm not saying I believe this, but yeah. I think the downside you're going to hear is people will say it's a pace of play issue, but I don't think it's a pace of play issue. Like that's that's what you're going to run up against. If I ever, if I can, I swear, dude, I I about go ballistic every time I hear the words pace of play. Right. It's not. It's not that at all. Yeah. Like, no, I know. I'm what everyone's with primary thing. And what the part that makes me so mad about it is that's baseball. It's about the the poetry between the pitcher and the batter locked in a duel and the tension building and escalation like that's the beauty of the game right exactly and that's my point is like there's i just i I get that but like is it really going to take away that much time if you if you do this right if you do it just like i said like tennis does it which would be some cross between that and its own thing but if you do it just like that it's an easy review. You've got a guy at a booth or whatever that can tell you, nope, yes, ball, strike, easy enough. And if you can do that, it's going to make the umpire's job easier, yeah. and it's ultimately going to add that value of accuracy to the game, which we really lack in these kinds of cases. And, like, 
I, I think what the the traditional logic behind it too is that or logic I'll put in quotations here. Right. The traditional logic is certainly that hey, it doesn't really matter. It all balances out in the end. But in these big moment situations, right. that's not necessarily true. In the regular season, it may all balance out, sure. you know, and and with a healthy rotation. But if you're in game seven in a best of seven situation, no, we kind of want you to be on your game. Correct. So I think this is really interesting. I'm still putting him in the POS corner because we put people that have just terrible inconsistent calls in the POS corner. Lance Barksdale, POS for the week. That is a wonderful segment. And you know what? I would absolutely love to find me some information around baseball. Like, I don't know. Have you ever heard of K, a history of baseball in 10 pitches or heads up baseball 2.0, five skills for competing one pitch at a time. There's a ton of really good stuff out there. And, you know, I'm talking to you guys about audibletrial.com slash SLM. They are the proud sponsor of this and all other sensibly loud shows. And you know what? They're offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30 day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash SLM. There you can match there you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash SLN and get started now. It doesn't even have to be a baseball books. You want to check out the old man in the sea? Maybe get in on some Hemingway action? Yeah, you bet you do. Audibletrial.com slash SLM. Absolutely. These guys over at Audible are awesome. They've been great to us, and we really appreciate their sponsorship for sure. And if you guys want to help us out, we work hard on the show. We do this every single week to make sure you guys are caught up with baseball. We want to make sure you guys are well-read whenever you're whenever you're coming back to listen to the show. So really, please head over to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. It helps you out, helps us out a ton. Big stuff. Awesome, man. All right. So another thing that we need to update on are the current manager hirings that have happened so far because we've actually had a few since we really last broke it all down yes please i've been waiting on bated breath uh to see if my boy ron washington's gonna get a job out there i don't think that he's going to man it doesn't really sound like it i think that the pirates are really i'm sorry the pirates the uh the padres were probably one of his bigger options and i really looks like they're gonna head a different direction um, but let's go through some of the big ones that have happened so far. Um, and by the way, they uh, as of yesterday, they named Jace Tingler their manager. So um, uh, Jace Tingler, awesome manager name. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> name. that is an awesome manager name. How is that not? I just wasn't expecting like the the pause between awesome manager name like that was like i thought you were going one way and then you just pivoted at the last moment that was good you're welcome yep but yeah so that's the first hiring is i want to talk about the bigger ones but the padres hired hired your boy tingler there i can't wait to talk about that all season long next year that's gonna be great sorry Um, washington i know it's a shame but like I, i man it's one of those things with ron where it's gotta be to me if he were a major league manager, truly, he would have been hired again by now. You're probably right. At first, I thought maybe a season or two he was in the penalty box. But, yeah. like, no, I, I think it's more than that. He also didn't get fired. He stepped down, and that helps his case. And he's been right. the Atlanta third base coach for a little while now. I think he went back to work for the A's for a little bit, too. 
But I think he started in Oakland and then moved to Atlanta. Right. And so I I just for me, I don't know that Wash is a major league manager. And I I think teams might see it that way too. He's just a little bit he might be a little bit of that older school mentality. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Like, I wa- I'd want to go to a backyard barbecue that he's at. Hell yeah, dude. Anyone that smokes cigarettes at the dugout is definitely someone that I want to be at a, bar- a, a backyard barbecue for. Um, all right. So I think the biggest one that we have to talk about is Joe Madden being hired by the Angels. What's your take it's on this? It's ridiculous. So you called it here first. Uh, J Mac saw it in the tea leaves uh, a few weeks back saying, hey, Cubbies, even if they make the playoffs, which they didn't, but even if they made the playoffs, you didn't see he was going to stay in Chicago much longer. Absolutely nailed it. I think what's interesting is I, I think it was down between the Angels and the Mets for the other team, right? So, yes, um, and possibly the Phillies, but that was ne- that never really came to fruition. And real quick to back up, I actually said last year on the show that I was kind of surprised he didn't get fired, and I knew he had one more year, and that was it. So just okay. to put it back in the actual context of what happened. That was a little bit of an I told you so, but that's yeah. all right. That's no, good. it's true, though. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I've been on this take for a while because it really felt that way. It really felt like if he didn't get it yeah. done again that someone was going to pay the price and it wasn't going to be Theo. Absolutely. No, I don't think that they're going to get rid of Theo for a bit. Like, I mean, that no, he brought the world championship to Chicago in like first time in a hundred years. What do you do with that? Yeah, it's tough, but he did the same thing to Boston. So, I mean, and they kicked him out the door in a gorilla costume. If you remember that whole story, but I do vaguely, but yeah. we'll have to, we'll, that'll be a good Halloween blog. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am going to write that blog tonight. That's great. Cause he definitely snuck out of Fenway in a gorilla costume. I mean, that's just awesome. It's what you have to do sometimes. sometimes. Anyway, no, I, so bet you, Joe I think that with, um, yeah, with Madden, I really thought he was more likely to end up in New York, but I think the angels are going to be a much better fit for him. I think so, man. That Angels team is a mess, though, and that's my biggest concern. They won 72 games last year. Whenever, So whenever he became the manager of the Cubs, so what year did he become the manager? 2016? I f- no, I feel like it was like 14. Okay, I'm looking it up real quick. But the year, like, they had acqu- like accumulated all that talent, and, I mean, they were primed to win. He got there in 2015, and they had Chris Bryant, they had Anthony Rizzo, they had... Uh, Kyle Schwarber, I mean, they had uh, Javi Baez, they had an elite pitching staff. I mean, they had the talent, they were ready to win. And by the way, as a manager, he's uh, 1,225 and 1,045. That's a 54%, uh, like a 540 winning percentage. That's pretty damn good. That's very good. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very accomplished overall. Three-time manager of the year award, then he won a World Series in 2002 and 2016. I'd imagine that 2002 one was with the Angels, right? Yeah, because he he yeah, he was under Mike Sosha with the Angels. That's right. I think that was when the Angels were uh, the first wildcard team to win. I think I think that's right. Yeah. And they were still in Anaheim at that point. So, I mean, he came into that situation with a very young team and, you know, everything was kind of ready set up for him. He just needed to manage it and and put things. I mean, he needed to not be Rick Renterra. He needed to be. He needed to be Joe Madden, and, and I think that worked really well. But it seemed like he started to really lose his voice with that team. It really did. So I compare that to this Angels situation where they won 72 games this past year. He's not walking into a lot of talent. So this is going to be a very st- different situation for him. I, I agree. I think that the one thing that Anaheim has that 
like it's Los Angeles has that Chicago didn't is the star power because not only do you have Trout, you also have presuming he still has both arms, Otani. Mm-hmm. And, and so I mean Pujols. Right. Like, I mean, there's a ton of big names. I feel like the Angels have talent. They just have lost vision. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I just don't think they have the same level of talent that that the that Cubs team had. I really don't. And I think yeah, there's it's, it's not apples to apples, but no. I mean, it's it's maybe oranges to clementines. Like, the, I think there's some talent there. It's great. But you're right about the depth of it. Yeah, I I do think though. I mean, with his time with the Rays before that, that he gets a lot with a little, and he's good at that. And so, I mean, I would I would expect their approach to be very different this year. And I'm really fascinated to see how it's going to go. So, I think that was a pretty good hiring. It's a great hiring for the everything that I've seen about it has described it this way. It's a great hiring for the Angels. It's maybe not the best thing for Joe Madden, which I find very interesting. Yeah, no, that that's a good way to spin it. Yep. But I I like that. That's uh, a it's a good take. Yeah. Next on the list, Joe Girardi hired as the manager of the Phillies to replace Gabe Kapler. What's your take on this? First off, what a totally different uh type Direction. of individual. <laughs> yeah. You could not have done a bigger 180 when you go from from Girardi to or from uh Kapler oh, to Girardi. God, from Kapler to Girardi. So Basically, I'm pulling up uh, Girardi's managerial stats right now. Uh, but let me get them. I, I think it's it kind of makes a dangerous situation out there. In what terms? I feel like there's potential. Oh, okay, yeah, good, dangerous, not like a, yeah, a, an like, implosion yeah, type no, situation. Yeah, no, not. <laughs> Which I'm all for too. I just want to see it coming. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. In this in in this instance, I'm talking about a uh, a dangerous. Um, you know, bunch like, of savages. A lot of don't say that, but yes, of course, of course, you would say that. Those savages are sitting at home on their couch, just like I am. So, <laughs> go on. So currently, um, Girardi managed the Marlins in six and the Yankees from eight to seventeen. Correct. And uh, in that, he has one pennant, one World Series in Pretty eleven good. years managing. Pretty good. And he's always been very effective at managing a, a room full of stars, and I think that matters. And I think, I think that's what the Yankees really worried about him, and they'd worry that he lost his voice and lost his way a little bit before they hired Aaron Boone. And I mean, I criticize that hire; it's gotten better, but I still don't think that he's that good of a manager at the end of the day. And I, I always struggled to understand why they repl- replaced Joe Girardi, other than it felt like a clubhouse situation where he'd kind of lost his voice, and that just happens. There's nothing you can do about it. No, and. And I think, too, the Yankees in 2008 and 2009, when he took over, were a very different team than yeah, in 2017. So. Yeah, one so owns like, a team. <laughs> right. Listen to, listen to this right here. So your, uh, your Yankees in 2009, oh God. Derek Jeter, mm-hmm. CeCe Sabathia, Mark Tixiera, Robinson Cano, A.J. Burnett, A-Rod, Johnny Damon, Mariana Rivera, Andy Pettit, Phil Hughes, and uh, Brett Gardner. Oh, <laughs> of course it was Brett Gardner. Yeah, of course, Brett Gardner. God, he has a big neck-to-head ratio. I'm telling you, Jesus man. Jesus Christ. We've been there. We've been down this road before. Uh, I, I fight with Phil Hughes on Twitter from time to time. It's great. Um, we'll get into that another day. But uh, 
yeah, man, I think this was a great hire for the Phillies and a great hire for Joe Girardi. I think this is going to be a good fit for him. I'm excited to see what he does with these new, uh, with these, you know, kind of this new, you know, overall situation. So I think the Phillies team for sure. Yeah, definitely. So I think the next big hire that we had, the Cubs hired David Ross. Another thing that I called out quite some time ago, it just felt like that was going to happen, man. He's been way too, it's like he's sort of been looming around the organization, involved with them doing different things for a long, for a while now. And Not I'm, unlike sharks swimming in circles around their prey. It's kind of what it felt like in a lot of ways. And like, dude, I mean, I can speak to the fact that he is a clubhouse leader. He was a huge part of this that 2013 World Series for the Red Sox. Like, mm-hmm. he's a good dude. And he's passionate about the Cubs. He was a big part of that 2017 ring that they got. I think he retired after that. And I think so. Yeah, and he is... I don't know how good of a manager he's going to be. He's a good baseball mind. I just don't know how effective he's going to be yet. I have no idea. The guys love him, though. Like, every so, single player speaks so highly of him in that clubhouse. And that, that, to me, is where it's a it's a peak Chicago-style hire because it's not going to be a... Um, I'm not going to say that their window is closed, but it sure isn't very wide right yeah, now. It's getting there. So, for me, they're just going to be a team, a mediocre team that'll play some decent ball because the players will outplay for their boss. Like, and that's what's going to happen in this juncture. But I don't see them bringing, uh, bringing a championship back home to Chicago anytime soon. Yeah, I hope for their sake they do. But, you know, at the same time, I don't know. If I, I mean, see there's Maybe. 29 other teams. That's right. They're, they're all trying to actually. Well, most of them are actually trying to win baseball games as far as we can tell. I don't uh, know about Miami, but I think the rest of them. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think everything else is no hires. So uh, the Pirates up and fired their entire front office today. Yeah, so just screw them. They're not funny. only are they not looking for a new manager, but they just decide, you know what? Let's just clean house entirely. And when we get the great Sambino back, we're going to discuss the terminology that teams put out of whenever you're relieved of your duties and what the worst ones are. We speculate a little bit today, but we've got some good ones for you guys. And for what it's worth, we're still waiting. That Sensibly Loud hotline number is there. Pirates organization, we're happy to come do it. Our resumes are open for the Mets. They're open for the, uh, not the Padres anymore, the Giants. And yeah, the Pirates. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're flexible. We're open. We're out there. And, and any, any mud comments we may or may not have made about Pittsburgh, I mean, it'll dry out. Yeah, it, mud always dries out. This is much like your proc. Never mind. Um, okay, so uh, at this point, we don't really know what the Mets are doing. Do the Mets know what the Mets are doing? Never. It seemed like the Mets were kind of wanting to hire Girardi. I think so. I think the Mets were all about Madden or Girardi, is I think where they put their eggs, and I don't think that those chickens came home to roost. So let me just let me just break something, a quick little thought logic down here for just a second. So you have two two people you want to hire, right? You have... Joe Madden and Joe Girardi. Madden gets hired by the Angels. Wouldn't you go out and do and pay Girardi anything possible to make sure he goes to back to New York? Which makes me think that either A, they didn't want him that bad, or B, he really didn't want to be there. Mm, I don't know that it was that he didn't want to be there. I think it was right. that they inept, they stumbled all over themselves trying to get to him. They're going to end up with Ron Washington. They have, there was, the weirdest thing is, I haven't even talked to you about this, the weirdest thing is there was some mystery candidate that was floating around. It ended up being like the bench coach of the Brewers. 
Really? But everybody was like, oh, there's a big mystery candidate that nobody knows about. And, you know, it's like people were thinking it was like a couple of female reporters. Like there was all kinds of speculation. And like this was like real speculation. It wasn't just like us saying it into existence. It was like, you know, like real thing. And like none of it really made sense. Like, like Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> Most random speculation. You know, Boris Johnson. You know, all these people are in the mix. You know, for the Mets, and I, it really just Queen Elizabeth. She's she's got she's got time. She's got time. Um, I just think though that there's this like, it must just be the aura, and it just must be something about the front office's ineptitude to really go out and get your guy. If you know Absolutely. who your guy is, go get him. And for what it's worth, I agree 100%. And you know where Queen Elizabeth would want to manage, right? Tell me more. The Royals. The Royals. Yeah, of course. We didn't mention that one. It looks like they're going to hire Brad Osmus. They're just It's just a matter of time. That was a joke because she's a queen. Got it. Neck. Got it. I know. Uh, I just think, though, that there's something to be said where whenever you know who your person is, not to just go out and get it. Yeah, that's like you're waiting in line at Sonic to get your footlong chili cheese coney and you walk away with tater tots. Like, right. What, what the happened? Hell are you doing? Yeah, what happened? It's very valid. So that's kind of the update on manager hirings. Do we miss any? I don't think so. I think we got them all. I think that's most of them. So we'll be keeping an, uh, you know a close eye because it's gonna a lot of things depend on that as far as and that's why teams wait a lot of times until the World Series is over because they want to interview people from those teams and whatnot. I mean that's what the Red Sox did with Alex Cora. I think he actually interviewed during the World Series, but still. Yeah, like, he, he had cast that net, but it wasn't pulled in. Correct. But, um, I mean, they knew that that's who they were going to hire, and that's what it really came down to. And when you, whenever you have your guy, go get him. Like, don't pull out any stops because if you – so I think this lends a little bit of credence, too. Like, I said this about the Angels before. They didn't fire Brad Osmus without knowing they were going to get Joe Madden. I mean, why? I think without knowing they were a really big contender. Yeah, probably so, but I think even so, like, always follow the money there, and there's, there's probably a lot of back-channeling going on and whatnot. They at least they at least knew there was a lot of interest there. There you go. Yep, that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, while Brad Osmus is going to land on his feet and be a manager, which he probably deservedly should be, I think firing Mike Sosha and putting him in there was always kind of a weird move. I don't think that was ever really going to work, and I don't think yeah. they ever, I mean... Obviously, if they fired him after a year, they didn't really have a whole lot of confidence in him. I don't. I, the jury's still out on him with me, but I think at the end of the day, they knew they were going to go out and get him. But like the Mets had like a two week lead on that. They had fired Mickey Calloway almost immediately, which he's actually being thrown around for a lot of pitching coach uh, jobs. And I don't hate that hire because he's a fine no, pitching I don't hate coach. That. Yeah, yeah, but he just couldn't handle being a, a head coach, a, a head manager. So. It'll be interesting to see who they end up with. I'm sure it'll be somebody's agent who wanted to turn manager. Because that's what they did with their GM hunt last year. Just ridiculous. It really is. Well, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to check us out at sensiblyloud.com. That's your home for podcasts, articles. Plus, we got some great videos coming out. A lot of good stuff there. Plus, we are all over your social media. That's right. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Excuse me. The good old Twitter. Wherever you want it. Big shout out to JMac for producing this episode and a huge thanks to audibletrial.com slash SLM. And we will also want to remind everyone to check out the live stream on our social media tomorrow night. Me and the great Sambino will be live watching game five of the World Series. Live reactions, ridiculous commentary. Make sure to check it out. We're definitely going to, uh, to, did I say game five? Yes. I meant to say game six. My bad. Um, 
Game six. So make sure to check us out. Lots, lots of good commentary there. We want to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 90 of the Outfielder Podcast. We would like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with a sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling that outfield. Big ups to Kevin Towers. Don't text and drive. We'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. The Outfielder Podcast, putting kids to sleep since 2018. Game six.